All right, this is the game of life with T. Good and T. Rice. Pre-game is to explain the purpose of why we're here. We're here to talk about life through the lens and perspective of sports. And we'll each be bringing our life experience and level of expertise to each subject for four quarters every single day. And with that, let's warm up. So how do you feel about the events yesterday through Conor McGregor fight? Mm. I have a lot of different ways I feel. I like to turn it. I like to turn it into a question for you, to start off with your perspective as a coach and a mentor to young people. Uh, the whole thing kind of started uh, from trash talk that, in my opinion, went maybe a little too far. Uh, what is your opinion? Because I know you're a big trash talker, and I know people have talked trash to you in a playful way and sometimes with a more serious tone. What is crossing the line when it comes to trash talk? What makes you feel like it might uh, be okay, if not okay, but it might instigate activity off the court or field of play as opposed to just killing somebody on the court or within the octagon? Uh, yesterday, some trash talk kind of seemed like it got personal, and the guy won the fight and then jumped out of the octagon to, to get it on for, for real with some guys that weren't even involved in the fight, weren't sanctioned, and now he's potentially in big trouble. What, what do you think is the line uh, when it comes to trash talk? I just truly believe that trash talking comes from you would like both people to participate in the trash talk. Mm -hmm. If you have someone that you really don't know and they don't do a lot of trash talking, you, you tend not to want to go to cut too deep with them. Mm -hmm. um, I normally do my trash talking based off of the person who's talking to me. Um, <clears throat> trash talking is a very, very thin line because you can cross, you know, you trash talk to get a person out their game. So, a few years ago, if you recall, Kevin Garnett and Melo got into some yeah, trash talk. Yeah, yeah. And it was something said about Melo's wife. <laughs> yeah. I tend to say that if you don't trash talk, I mean, tell a guy if they're trash talking that you're not, you don't like that. You don't, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Tell them where you stand. I'm, I'm not a trash talker. I don't do that. Mm -hmm. And then once you make that stance, if that person continues, then he crossed the line. But once you get indulging trash talking and you come back with trash talk, I don't I don't necessarily believe there's a level of where you can't go. Okay, well let me put it this way. Specifically talking about yesterday, uh, this guy, uh, Habib, uh, afterward, of course everybody was upset with him because he had jumped into the audience and was fighting. Uh, but he stood at the press conference table at the end and was like, why, why is everybody looking at me? He was like, Conor McGregor broke the windows out of the bus I was on. Him and his entourage talked about my dad. They talked about my country. They talked about my religion. I mean, they went in on him. And I know they have a fight to sell. That's a different perspective because it's like if you and I were trying to sell a fight, then we both kind of want to make it seem like we hate each other. But when you're trying to sell something, which Conor McGregor is supposedly this great salesman, like, is there a line that could be crossed? And what do you tell your young people that you mentor about how to block out or how not to engage in trash talk that might cross a line. You said there might not, once somebody engages back, there's not too far to go. If I talk about your dad or your mom, that's, that's far. That's very far. Yeah. That's very far, and I truly believe that. 
also, but if you talk about your, uh, my dad or my mom in a trash talking thing, you have left me to talk about your dad and your mom. So a person through trash talk should keep it where limits to where they where they would get upset, you know, what, what they can take. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So I don't think, what's his name, Khabib? Yeah, I think it's Khabib. I don't, I don't think he was talking about anybody's parents uh-huh. or religion no, or things wasn't. of that nature. So you crossed the line. You, you definitely crossed the, the other man definitely crossed the line and um, you need to look through the, um, look at the whole scope so where do you see the blame more of the blame uh, with Conor McGregor because he dominated McGregor like the entire fight almost dropped him in the second round pounded him and in the fourth he finally choked him out but he had got so angry to the point where he went outside the ring to get somebody else that had been talking and his boys rushed McGregor who was down just tapped out and he got hit some more by some by some guys that were in the audience. Like, who do you think the blame is more on? With all that anger and all that build up, trash talking was, they went too far a long time ago. Yeah. I, you, you have to blame it on both parties. Obviously, Habib, Khabib, they weren't there for that. They weren't, he's not uh-huh. playing he's that. He's taking his profession serious. Yeah. He's not here, all that talk. So, and you know that. So if you tend to poke a bear or a person who's not into, all that trash talking, you normally get what you're looking for, mm-hmm. obviously. So you crossed the line mm-hmm. once you created that trash talking piece because you knew he wasn't, that's not what he done. Okay, now let's flip it real quick and look at it from a different perspective. As a trash talker, um, have you talked trash to anybody or said anything about anything to anybody within the confines? Just say you're killing somebody and you, your people's in the audience or maybe his people's talking greasy to you. So you talking greasy as you killing him on the court, but maybe he wants to see you off the court because he can't handle you on the court. What I'm saying is, if Habib is a part of this salesmanship and a part of this sport, he knows Conor McGregor. Listen, man, you proved your point. You, you made him tap out. You made him submit in front of everybody. He dominated him, but for some reason that still wasn't enough. To me, if you do flip it, I see where McGregor could be wrong because you could certainly cross the line with me. If you get if, if somebody talks about my, my wife or my kids or my dad and mom, we probably gonna fight at any whatever you know what I'm saying whatever the situation may be, win or lose, we'll have to find out. Um, but I can within a sport, I don't think somebody can say something to me that I'm getting paid millions to do when we're trying to sell it. Where after I openly show you can't beat me, where that wasn't enough. That's the only question I have about it is like, okay, well, you you dragged him. Why Absolutely. wasn't that enough? I could see where it wasn't enough. Okay. I could definitely see that. I mean, a lot of times with my trash talking, I'm normally the, in defense of my trash talking because uh-huh. I can still play just like a beep. So you bring your game and your talent to the game, mm-hmm. right? So then you get someone talking trash. I'll stop you. Uh, you can't guard me. You weak. You weak. So then when I respond by performing, mm-hmm. then I talk trash. Normally I've always been guilty because now since I'm talking trash and performing, mm-hmm. it looks like I'm the I'm the instigator. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, that person, since they're not performing, sometimes they take their trash talking to a whole nother level. Right. So then that's where you can get to, <laughs> yeah. if you're wired, like you just stated about your mom, say if you're wired different, so then, that, therefore, he'll take it somewhere, and then either you, you you throw an elbow in the game of basketball, you do something 
to make sure, to see if if he taking this outside the court mm-hmm. or is he does he mean this inside on the court? Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely levels. I can understand. It's hard. I think they're both to blame. To be honest with you, with yesterday, I do too. I think I think uh, they crossed the line in the trash talk. Even salesmanship should have its limits. And I do believe Habib, since it's not basketball, because there's a potential that I could beat you on the court in basketball, but I can't beat you off the court. It's not a physical fight. Absolutely. I don't get to punish you physically for what you say. But Habib got to actually physically punish McGregor. He physically punished him. Right. I don't understand why that, humiliating him in front of the entire world, his country and yours, that that didn't, Wasn't uh, that didn't do it for him. So I, I agree. I think, it's, uh, I think it's enough both ways to say there's blame on both parts. Absolutely. Especially with that brute sport. Now the beginning of the first quarter. Well, today in today's game, I played the point guard back when I used to play. The point guard position has changed so in so many ways over the years. Mm-hmm. You know, you had the Magic Johnsons, you know, tall 6'9". There's probably never going to be another player like Magic. We can discuss that Magic later 2.0? Magic 2.0? Now, we're not going to go deep like that on him just yet. We're not going to kill him right now, but ain't no 2.0, 2 point nothing. You know what I'm saying? Two point, Negative two, two point in school ain't passing. Right. So, yeah, you know. But, yeah, Magic Johnson. But with the point guards and all, um, man, it's just so many killers out there, you know. Um, I want to go back to a few years ago. I always thought, me personally, I always thought uh, one of the better point guards was Stephon Marbury. And, you know, I just uh, really, truly believe in Marbury. I always believe Marbury was a better point guard than Allen Iverson, to me. What do you think? Well, I agree with you 100% that, um, to answer your question directly first, just so we can get it out there, uh, Marbury couldn't carry Iverson's uh, question shoes into the gym for him, in my opinion. Uh, Iverson was way colder than Marbury, way more consistent. Uh, played harder night in and night out, just brought more to the game. But I do believe the, the point guard position has changed. Um, and honestly, I feel like uh, the point guard position has depreciated in, in today's game, at least been devalued. Because I think every point guard feels like they ought to be able to go get you 30. Or you don't feel like you have a real point guard. Like Steph. Steph Curry is called like uh, the GM's voting. And they said Steph Curry was the best point guard in the league. That's crazy. Steph don't run point. Steph doesn't even lead his own team in assists. That's Draymond Green. So how is he the best point guard and he doesn't run point? So that, that's, that's, that's another question and another subject we'll get deeper into. But I guess I would kind of want to know from you, what do you feel like made Marbury better than Iverson? Because as far as scoring, who was the better scorer? I'd say Iverson, hands down, especially consistently night in and night out who played harder, who gave more to the game, who had better handle, who had better jumper. I, man, I give all categories, all categories to Iverson. So you tell me how you got this foolishness that Starberry uh, is somehow even to be mentioned in the same sentence with AI. Well, I'm glad you asked that. And the fact that you brought up Curry mm-hmm. and, and Green. You know, me as a point guard, pass and that passing ability lies really heavy on me and I'm not just talking about the pass where you hold the rock to the whole shot clock and you pass at the last minute and 
trouble pass. No, I'm talking about that hockey assist type player, that guy, that, the point guard, like the Patrick Mahomes, that's the quarterback's name. The guys that see the play before it even develops mm -hmm. and delivers the pass. I just always felt that Marbury was a way much better point guard than Allen Iverson. So you being real technical and specific when you say point guard. Well, I'm not being a better technical. player. I'm being you, you but push a be, be you, a better point guard. You push my you push my back to the wall when you saying playing hard. I started to think you jump, you dove dead in there and it made me sweat a little bit but like cuz Iverson regardless of what anybody said about Iverson, he played hard every night. Marbury, mm -hmm. I didn't know what he was dealing with or going through. Yeah. So I have to go back and date back did he was he lazy? Was he pouting? What was going on? But I mean, when he was, when he was in his bag, he was in his bag. I don't even know if people know that, you know, they went to the playoffs his rookie year. Yeah. And um, I was listening to some stuff on Marbury, and he was like, you know, Garnett was on the bench a little bit that year. So in, in, in so many words, Marbury was like, he kind of carried them. So I had to date back and look, and I was like, Marbury wasn't lying. Marbury was a special talent to me. Now, I don't know what – what things happened in his mind or mentality or what he was going on mm -hmm. to, uh, I know they got this little mental health thing or things going on with the league players they're saying now. Seemed like Marbury must have been going through some things because, you know. Yeah, it never... seemed like it. I remember some of the stuff he went through. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember some of the issues he and KG had. And to me, one of the things to me that disqualifies him from the point guard position, because I do agree he may have been a, a better passer a little better playmaker, if you're being specific about the point guard position, playmaking first uh, on the list of priorities. He was with one of the best players in the league in his prime, KG. Big I don't think Big he was Ticket with him. Was, Big I, Ticket was nasty. I don't think Marbury played with KG when KG was in his prime. But you mean he wasn't quite in his prime yet? He was nowhere near his prime at but, the time but, Marbury was But there. this is my point, though. The, the, the management, coaches, and, and everybody else felt like uh, they, they couldn't coexist. So how can you, as a point guard, uh, have such a, a personality clash with your best player that they have to ship you because y'all can't coexist? So even though he might have been a consummate playmaker on the court, maybe a little better passer, somehow his mentality rubbed KG wrong enough where they had to ship him. Uh, no, nah, that was a case that they didn't have to ship him. He asked to be shipped. It's almost like Kawhi Leonard. He asked to be, he wanted to go. And I didn't know until. I didn't remember that. That's, that, that oh, Marbury he definitely, asked to be Marbury shipped. definitely wanted to go. Everybody, everybody thought, even myself, up until then, that KG had got the $100 million contract and mm -hmm. Marbury was upset. Uh, it, wasn't, it was recently, about a year ago, a few months ago, that I listened to some stuff on Marbury. And it's, it's sound, I can understand it. You know, New York people are different. I don't know if you know how them New York guys be acting. I know like, a few, but not yeah. enough to know where they, where they would be different from anybody else. I understand that the fact of the matter was, they, yeah, they're very different. I do know, I went to school <laughs> out there in New York. And the, the fact I'm saying is, mm -hmm. Marbury didn't like the code. And he said that he didn't want to play in Minnesota. You know, he definitely didn't want to play in Minnesota. Okay, why is that? You feel me? The fact that a matter of, it was cold out there, he came from the big city, all those things. Again, me personally, I so thought you, I so, so let me ask you, Rice, hold up. This is me and you talking. Absolutely. You sit, you, you gonna sit here and tell the people and tell me that you really believe Marbury didn't like the cold, so he wanted out of Minnesota. I don't believe. He didn't I, like the cold. I, 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 I definitely believe Marbury. You believe KG I, as, absolutely, as a point guard absolutely, cold? absolutely, absolutely. No. You're coming from these guys who wanted the. These guys were the best players in their class with it that mindset. In New York? In that mindset. It don't get cold. They get in New cold. York? Not like Minnesota cold. I know, but still, it gets not cold like in Minnesota New York. cold. Right, not like Minnesota cold. He wanted that rock. 
He liked to shoot. He had he to rock. be the main guy. He had to rock. And you weren't going to be the main guy. He had to rock. With KG. Again, we're assuming. That's the same thing you're thinking about Kyrie. I'm just saying. They say Kyrie wanted to rock. Back to another point guard. They say Kyrie, Kyrie wanted to rock. He wanted to rock, though. No, not but necessarily. To play because he did. Not to gun him out. No. But he wanted he wanted to be able to play his natural position. Right. Which the rock would be in his hand where it should be in his hand. So. When you say Marbury wanted the rock, he's the point guard. KG wasn't guard. bringing the ball up like that's what I'm saying. Exactly. It's a totally different that's situation. That's my point. That's no. what I'm saying. Marbury never had a problem right. with it's, it's I don't believe situation. he had a problem. You made the comparison. It's not happening. That's why I had him. It's not being a better. comparison, sir. But that's the same thing. Iverson no, couldn't play not. with nobody. KG wasn't dominating the ball, bro. Yeah. Iverson didn't have the same numbers with Melo. I, it wasn't, that wasn't the same no, Iverson. The number, that's what absolutely. we're trying to say. Okay. No, 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 no. I'm talking about why would a consummate point guard run away from. A, a once in a lifetime talent. He a, wasn't a generational talent. That was his. That was his personal preference. And they, I'm not saying I would. Yeah, but I'm saying doesn't that make you call into questions just how unselfish and how much of a point guard he was mentally, based on the fact that you were one away, unless it was something off the court that we don't know about, which I never heard that. You know how you hear rumors about people sleeping with other people's girlfriends and wives, and it brings breakups. We heard that about Minnesota I, this offseason that that uh, Butler right. might, have, might have been involved with. with the situation like that. Right. Towns, uh, you never know those things. We don't know if it's true or not. Never know I never heard that rumor about right. Steph and KG. So it was something know. personal. But whatever it was, as you stated, mm-hmm. you have a great point. You know, you're getting paid enough money. It's a job. Right. So can't you... The, the winning blueprint was there. Yes. The winning blueprint was there. So whatever was going on with his mind, you ask me, he made a lot of bad decisions that way. And that kind of took him off the board for some of those who felt he was one of the better point guards. But I really, I really liked him. I, I agree with that now. I like the uh, direction you were kind of going when you first broached the subject. Let's kind of circle back a little bit and kind of get into a little bit about the way the point guard position has changed and has it been better or worse for the game. Has it been better or worse for the for the, uh, the watchers of the game and for the other positions around the point guard now who's maybe more offensive-minded, uh, a little bit more offensive-minded to shoot himself than the other point guards used to be in the past? What do you what do you feel about the difference between the, the way point guard play has changed? I think now the fans enjoy the point guard that shoots the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. I tr- I'm, I'm a big fan of Westbrook. I'm a big fan of Westbrook. But I truly, I don't believe that the person with the ball in their hands the most should shoot the most. I'm, I'm, I'm totally against that. Yeah, me you too. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. if you're a point guard, you're a playmaker, you, you, you set your players up to make plays. Mm-hmm. If anyone goes back and research Magic Johnson, Magic Johnson used to shoot like 12 times a game. Yeah. He'd be like the fourth leading shot taker on his team. Yeah. And you can't tell me he wasn't better than Worthy. He wasn't better than... Uh, Byron Scott and them guys, yeah. but he but he sacrificed his shooting to get them guys in a better position so that they could score. Yes. So, yeah, with that, I mean, we can pick back up on that point guard piece all the time. But I'm just, you know, just to leave it out here to you. Yeah. Magic Johnson was probably the best player to ever play the game. But we're good to no, the no, next. No, 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 no. <laughs> I can't let you get that off. MJ Air Go. We'll talk about it later. I knew Rice was going to start. This is now the beginning of the second quarter. Let's take a look at the college football landscape. It's, it's prime time right now for some college football. It's starting to get a chill in the air. Hitting weather, as they say. Uh, I know your bum squad, the uh, Irish, uh, the not-so-fighting Irish, 
uh, is doing decent so far this season with their, you know what I'm saying, with the weaker schedule that they play. Um, so far they're still managing to survive and squeak by. Um, and, of course, those, those big boys, O-State, you know, Ohio State Buckeyes, are just warming up, getting ready to drag. So uh, let's take a look at the college football landscape, Mr. Rice. Uh, what you got to say? What's, what's your squad again? Yo, my squad. Oh, we, Soon to be national champions, but I don't want to put this whole episode all about the Notre Dame fighting Irish because you, you know what I'm we we look real good. I want yesterday was a was a very competitive day in football. Mm-hmm. You know, Florida State seems to have a lot of fans. They do. I mean, they they're, they're leaving this year. They're, they're in high they're in hibernation this year. <laughs> you know, we we were expecting coming into the season. You know, Notre Dame has Florida State on the schedule. Yeah. And at the beginning of the year, our strength of schedule looked real well because of teams like Florida State. Mm-hmm. But they're, but something's wrong with them. Well, a lot know? of their teams are in protective custody. A lot of their fans are. Oh, that's where they're at right now, yeah. right? So we got to try to find out where to put an APB out. Try to put find the APB out. Back. They might be out. Like, kind of like the Notre Dame fans when they take this L coming up soon. Well, we're not going to spend too much time on Florida State because seeing that they – they came. They They've lost yesterday, right? They lost. Yeah. They're out of they it. They lost. Yeah. So they maybe a scrimmage. Maybe a scrimmage when we played them this week. Well, yeah. we'll talk about. Uh, what about Oklahoma? Oklahoma's still undefeated, though, right? No. I didn't o- get a chance to catch the score. Oklahoma. I know they got a lot of Sooners fans out there. You know what I'm saying? That we know. So I, I know they. They probably. I'm, I'm happy for them. Oklahoma put a, put put a few more years on Tom Herman's. Um, coaching career, you know. You, the Texas coach oh, oh, got an extension? He got an extension. Oh, my. Oh, my. I can't believe that. You know, oh, Texas beating Oklahoma. I thought this was a good year for Oklahoma. I thought that boy, the quarterback that plays uh, that plays Can- baseball, is so cold at quarterback that they didn't miss a beat after Baker Mayfield. Oh, they, they was called, they, I think they was yelling for Baker yesterday. Oh, Baker. Oh, Baker. Baker. Right. Oh, I hate to hear it. You hate to hear it? Yeah, I hate to hear that. I know some of their fans, personally, and you know what I'm saying? They they real diehard, so they live and die with the with the team. So a lot of them Oklahoma like Sooners right now. They don't yeah. speak much. Yeah, they, they know how they go. Yeah, yeah. They, some of them are so. It, this this might surprise you. Their proud fan base was so low that some of them were even scared to admit they were Oklahoma Sooners fans. You, you didn't even meet nobody yeah, like that. I had did you? to unearth a couple uh-huh. of the fans, you know, and expose. What happens? I spoke to a couple of Michigan fans. They were just Did were talking you? about a couple of teams. I spoke to a couple of Michigan fans. And and for some reason, they were on like a two, three, four game win streak and they believe that they're gonna come into the horseshoe this year oh, and change right? things. What do you feel about that? Well, they already out of it. So all they you know, it's sad that sometimes, you know, when you as a fan, and you know this being a Notre Dame fan. For the last couple of years, like sometimes all you have to really wish for is an upset against another good team, because really you ain't no chance for you to make the college football playoffs or do anything meaningful and, and get to a meaningful bowl game. Even I understand uh, that. So understand you know, a lot that. of the Michigan fans now only root to upset somebody else's good season because they don't have nothing else to play for, man. So but, it's disappointing. I'm disappointed for them. You're talking strong. You're talking strong. To my little brothers, you know okay. what I'm saying? Because when you saying that they lost they, the game, oh, they, they, lost, they lost to us. They lost to Notre Dame. Oh, so the fact that you, so, so the fact that okay. you're saying they're out of it just yeah. because they lost to a to one of the, the team that's going to win it all, I, I'm not too, I'm not going to agree with you too much on that one. They've had you some know, close because you all play, ball. you all play West High. So the fact of the matter is because Ohio State played West TCU High. TCU is West High. Penn State is West High. 
all. I'm just you gonna saying. You're going to leave Rutgers out in Indiana where they good? Well, we have to play who's on our schedule. Absolutely, absolutely, so absolutely. So what I expect for you to do is uh, let me know who you have ahead of time so that we can – we know it's still fairly early in the season. But I, I'd like to know who you foresee being the four teams in a college football playoff so that we can hold you to, to this. Absolutely. Document this second quarter of our first show and come back and check it at the end of the season and see who was right and who was wrong. Well, this, exactly. I'm glad you asked that. Okay. I have uh, Notre Dame as one of the teams. Mm. Alabama okay. as the other. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and put in there, you know, it's hard to get them other two. But I'm going to go on them. I'm going to stretch. Mm-hmm. You seem like you're working hard to avoid certain names. So you're working real hard. I see you hit the wheels turning. You're taking real long. I'm just trying to look at the landscape of the college football. Okay, well, let's, you know, let's I want to say Georgia, but Georgia's down there in the Alabama fight. You really reaching. All right. Am I you, reaching? Did you stretch before this segment? Why did you say that? Because it's a great reach. I don't want you to pull it. I'm going to put Georgia in there. I'm going to put OSU. Georgia. I'm going to put Ohio State? I'm going to put Ohio State in there. I'm going to put Ohio State in there. I'm going to put Ohio State in there for one reason and one reason only. Why? We beat Michigan. I think you all should. But then Notre Dame needs to play Ohio State. That's a high comp. So if you beat somebody, you automatically know we can beat them then. No, I'm hoping that. I appreciate that, man. That's a lot of love, right? No, I mean, that's That's all. That's that's all in your schedule that's left. I appreciate it. Y'all don't play nobody. So that's your toughest. That's your toughest matchup. We've we've already handled our toughest. That's our toughest matchup. Where, where as to us, that was like a bye game. You okay, who's your toughest matchup this year? I'm like, can you tell me who you feel like uh, FSU? Or? I mean, we didn't play. Who you think? We didn't face a lot of teams. Michigan. We didn't, play, we didn't face a lot of teams. I want to know who. Okay, how many? And don't who, say, who please don't say Stanford. Why not? Stanford was uh, ranked number seven when we played them. Have you played a a top top seven team in the nation this year? Listen, all I know is we beat who's ever been on our schedule. Uh, Now, can I give you my four? uh, Yes, yes, sir. Give Uh, me your four so we can conclude the second quarter, please. Of course, Ohio State uh, University, the Ohio State University, of course, will be in the college football playoff. Alabama will probably be in the playoff. And from there, I probably will go with, um, I think Georgia might have a chance. But I, I kind of don't think they will. I think Notre Dame, with the weak schedule that they have left, I think I'll probably go ahead and put Notre Dame in there. And I really think uh, even with a loss, because uh, I think Clemson might still find a way to get in, even if they lose a game. Uh, I just think that they might find a way to get in with the talent that they have. I think it might be Clemson and Alabama again with OSU and Notre Dame as the other two teams. I, I like them too. I, I mean, I like that whole set. And the fact that I forgot, completely forgot about Clemson. Just to end on this, I got Clemson in on, on my four instead of Ohio State. Well, I, I can't believe that you would revise it and do that. Well, listen, let me tell you this. We will remember this. has been documented, archived in your footage, people. And uh, we'll be accountable for our picks. Absolutely. This is now the halftime report. Uh, halftime is where we'll talk about life strategies like any good halftime coach uh, or player, they strategize. Uh, talk about the strategies before they go on to the third quarter and continue the game. Uh, this is what we'll be focusing on life from our two perspectives. Perspectives of, from my perspective, a married father um, who works in the ministry and from Coach Rice's perspective as a coach and a player, uh, and a former player that's traveled around the world as a basketball player and now is endeavoring to coach and so into the lives of the youth. We just wanna 
want to talk about some of the strategies here. And with that, let me ask you my first question, uh, Rice. Um, what do you think about uh, all of these uh, trainers and coaches and parents um, are always anxious to give their child any advantage that they can give them, and I don't fault them for that at all. Um, but what do you think about with that, that it has created a climate where everybody's a trainer, everybody is a nutritionist, everybody can help you work out or give you a regimen, and usually uh, with big dollars involved. So I just kind of wonder, what do you think about the landscape now uh, and the climate that's created so many uh, trainers, and what, what do you think is the best approach as a parent in finding a good trainer for your child, or do you even believe in training or trainers per se? I truly believe that as a parent that is looking for a trainer and going into that field, you need to do your research mm -hmm. and study upon it. Just like with anything, you want to look for a person who's done it. You, you know, and that's not, you don't have to pigeonhole yourself. And, uh, not to say a person who's been a basketball player can be the best trainer. Because, okay. you know, you have some people that can study up on it and they're, they're good at teaching. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that, but most cases, you would want someone, if I want my child to be good at uh, ball handling or dribbling, I want to probably look up and locate those who were good at it and what they did to get good at it mm -hmm. and to perfect their skills. I think now the whole landscape is they're robbing most parents because okay. you have so many trainers and trainers to be. Um, in what way? In, in, in the way of, most trainers have a lot of props up. And I believe to me, I believe the props are to enhance the parents, to make the parents, if, if I'm a parent and I don't know how to train or what's going on with training, mm -hmm. I'll think that the more gadgets and the more props you have up, okay. you're doing something. Okay. You understand what okay. I'm saying? You think it's baiting the parents in and look at something flashy and draw you in. Not necessarily results, but Absolutely. Biggest advertisement Absolutely. wins. Absolutely. Because okay. a true trainer, when you're dealing with young kids and youth, mm -hmm. if you're really dealing with young kids and youth, you won't get to see what you have planted into them until maybe a couple years down the line. So it's really a stretch on what, how you can get a trainer because some trainers charge entirely too much mm -hmm. if you're really trying to give this young man or young lady um, an attempt of getting better with her game. Because right. normally you need to be, see these kids, you normally need to be working on your game four or five days a week okay. in some capacity to get better. Yeah. So if you as a trainer and you're charging this crazy dollar, how can you, that parent really pay that much and not see the results? So you're never gonna really see the results until later on in life. Right. That's why you need the gadgets. Right. You understand what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, I get you, that makes And sense. another thing they're missing in training is the fact that how are you translating this work that you're working on into the game? You need someone to not only train you, but to teach you. You have to coach you well. I, this move that we worked on and these things we worked on here, you're able to use this part of the game. You're able to, when the player is pushing up on you, if you just went over the jab step, you're able to tell that kid, or is your trainer able to tell you, what are you jab stepping for? Right. Are you jab stepping to get away from the D, to back the D up? Or the player, is that trainer able to tell you that? So I just think it's a it's it's really hard because you have a lot of people out here really training now. I think they need to come up with a situation where you get um, a certificate. You, need, you think most trainers really need to be certified? You should be certified. Okay, well let me ask you this: as somebody who hoops on, 
but not, I would never call myself a hooper on a grand scale at all. At what point should I be ready to hand my child over to somebody who could possibly help more than I can? My son right now is 13. He's in the eighth grade. I feel like I can still help him with the fundamentals of his game. At this particular point, how to shoot, certain things I learned. At what point should I be willing as a parent, no matter how prideful I might be, to admit I'm pro you're probably to a level now where I should hand you off to somebody a little bit more capable. If not, then your ceiling is only my ceiling, and I want you to I go think, farther than me. I think when you see something out your son or your child, um, and they're going into, um, and you see something out their child, You see something about your child, um, I really truly believe that that you really need to go into um So yeah, when you see something about your child, meaning that he might have a promise in this particular sport or particular field, baseball, football, whatever, then that's when you may seek professional training. Like this person may take him to another level. But like you just stated, as a father or uncle or something, you can get him, you should be able to get him to the basics because you had yourself at the basics. Right. So, you know, after that, I think around eighth, ninth grade, tenth grade, you can start looking into some different type of skilled training and whatever, you know, whatever, whatever that, place it is. That sounds good. And that kind of leads me into uh, my next question for you. Um, specialized training. Uh, do you believe in specialized training? If so, how early? Uh, like, for instance, uh, their parents who have a six-year-old, they feel like they're going to be a basketball player. And so they have them in basketball, youth camp in the summer. Uh, they have him get specialized training from paying a trainer. Uh, when, when any, any program he can get in year-round, and I've seen parents do that, and kind of like they don't allow them to play, to run track, play football, play baseball, even just have a season off to rest their body and heal. Uh, as a growing young man or young woman, I just wonder how early, no, I guess number one, do you believe in specialized training year round and not allowing anything else? And if so, how early should that start? If you do decide to get, how long uh, should it be before you specialize? What age do you think is like, okay, now it's cool to be like nothing but hoop or only hoop, if you ever believe that? Uh, again, I don't believe in, I don't believe you should pigeonhole and pinpoint one particular sport for a child. Okay. When, you, when, you, when you're young, I think you should try everything. Right. You should. You never know what the child may like. That's the way we came up. Absolutely. You, you do it all. In rec centers, you did it all. Yeah. And then you picked on some, some sports you was better when you were younger, some sports you got better as you got older. Yeah. So you shouldn't just limit yourself. Um, you should train in everything. Certain sports, like soccer, basketball, those sports are dim dimensional where it works on different things that you need for all other sports, hand-eye coordination, things that make the footwork. So yeah, I wouldn't just specialize on one particular sport. I probably wouldn't do that. I mean, in high school either, if again, if you see out your child a, a college scholarship mm -hmm. is on the way and your, and your child is pretty good with his basketball, football, I'll probably then start focusing in on that particular sport to get, to get that scholarship. Okay, that makes sense. And just a branch, it's an offshoot of kind of that same question. Um, do you do you believe in uh, as far as like AAU? When when is a good time as a parent to say uh, training this summer? No AAU, no organized ball, because as you know, like playing makes you do what you know best. You you get in your bag, and whatever's in your bag is what you use. Absolutely. So you need kind of an off season or downtime to train to create new habits.
so that you can play off instinct and dig in the bag for something new. If not, you're trying to train your child to, like, say, for instance, use their left hand. And if you throw him right in the fire, he's going right back to what he right. he's going right in. So with, do you believe in maybe an offseason away from organized play to get better? And at what age should AAU start where you use that offseason not to get better on individual skills but to play AAU or is it possible to do both? That's a great point in perspective. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I would truly believe that you should take off. <laughs> Probably between your eighth grade year, maybe in your junior, your sophomore year in high school because AAU is – is really a showcase. It was a showcase. So when you have college scouts and college people coming to see you, you're trying to show them that you're ready. Right. So if your skill work isn't there, you can also show them the bag, yeah. like you were just stating. So shouldn't you go work on that left hand? Because you're absolutely right. Once you get into the action in the field, you're going to go right back to what you know. Right. So you kind of need to build up and get better. And I think that's where a lot of these kids that get caught up in the AAU, they stay where they're at. They're not AAU is not helping them get better. We can discuss AAU at a whole other time, but you're, yeah, that's you a great question. Hoop to hoop to hoop, hoop to hoop. hoop. You need, yeah, you need some time to go ahead and focus on your, your just like a rapper goes into the studio. Absolutely. You don't go album to album to album to album. You don't. Not if you want to get better. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, with that, I, I had a couple questions about, for you, for okay. you. And uh, one of my questions is, I know you talk a lot of, you do a lot of stuff with ministry. Mm -hmm. And I always wanted to know, do you think there's a place for sports in ministry? That's a really good question, and you know, I had a lot of, I had a lot of conflict about this earlier on until I kind of got a different understanding. At first, I kind of felt like the priorities shift and the mentality shifts uh, because I took everything to be so serious and so real. Uh, when, when I was a, a young fan growing up, I thought people, I thought the players lived and died on the court, just like I lived and died for them. When Jordan was getting put out by the Pistons, I thought. He felt like I felt, whereas he might have been one of the special ones that was hurt, but he was going home to his family. He was still going to go home and he was going to live his life. He had a life off the court. And I thought basketball players just lived to hoop. All they were to me was hoop. But they're three-dimensional people. Right. And so they have a soul. They have influence. Uh, they have finances that could be a blessing to certain other people. So I think there's certainly a place for uh, ministry in basketball because now uh, guys that play sports, sports stars are some of the most high profile people in the entire world. Absolutely. In the world, not just in the nation. Uh, and with a platform comes an opportunity to push whatever you want to push, to preach whatever you want to preach, to share whatever you want to share. And so if you want to do some positive work and do some things in the lives of youth or uh, the less fortunate, whatever you want to do, uh, a platform is always helpful. And so now we've seen people like Michael Red. We've seen other people who really proclaim their ministry loudly and uh, use their platform to be a blessing to other people and help. Uh, some give more with finances than others and are willing to give and make sacrifices. And some of it goes completely under the radar. Right. But I think that there's always a place uh, for ministry, really anywhere almost, but especially in sports, especially now that I understand um, that the competitive nature on the court and wanting to win and in order for you to win, somebody has to lose that it's just sport, it's just game that stays on the court, but off the court, you can shake hands and be, uh, I've heard about people calling uh, mentors within the league right. and getting prayer or ministry help, uh, and they just lost or beat the person they, that, that they called for help because the game of life is bigger than the game of basketball, baseball, football, whatever the case may be. Okay. That's a good question. Okay, with that going on, um, and everything you said, you nailed it. You nailed it for me. I really wanted to, you know, know where ministry would go with sports. Uh, 
and I think it's, I definitely think it's a place. But you know, what makes it hard, and, and that's why I think few, few openly proclaim it while they're still in it is because you have to be real. Right. You gotta be living it. You have to, you have to be. You, you have to be. You know, because your boys are gonna know it, so you can't be fake. That would be like you and me. Right. Like you would know if Good is living what he's talking about. Absolutely. Uh, so if you ain't living it, you it's might kinda... not wanna proclaim it. So you might whisper, you know, something about the Lord. Because your boys know last night, y'all was all together doing something totally, <laughs> totally different. So, it, you know, it has to be genuine. Absolutely. And, you know what I mean? It, it kind of eliminates itself, if not. Well, let's go ahead and get ready to go on back into the game. That was a great, great warm-up. Yeah, let me go time. win this. Let me get this uh, win in the second half and, and go ahead and close you out. you probably down about 10 right now. <laughs> This is now the beginning of the third quarter. Well, it's that time of the year. You know what time it is. What, what, time, what time of the year is that? <laughs> Buddy, it's probably the best year to see. You know, when you're watching ESPN, you got the NBA, you got the baseball and football right around this time. Yeah. But the NBA about to be in full swing. And, uh, man, it's all kind of storylines heading in. You know, you got DeMarcus Cousins over with Golden State later on in the year. You got LeBron, he done traveled out west. Traveled out west, that's huge. You got Kawhi Leonard, he went east. Uh, DeRozan at the Spurs. I mean, it's all Carmelo, he left um, Oklahoma to go back similar to a similar place, you ask me. me too. You know what I'm saying? With two yeah. guys that need the ball again with Houston. So, I mean, listen, man, I just want to put it out there this year for me. I'm anxious to see, you know. I. I'm anxious to see. What do you think was going to happen this season? Well, I'm just coming that, from you. I think the balance of power is, is interesting that it shifted. I thought it was most interesting that LeBron decided to go west. I don't think it's any uh, mistake that he happened to go west as the west is kind of one of the weaker, it's weaker than it's been in a few years now. Because a lot of the greater players have gone east, and now the east is starting to get stronger and more consistent, and now he decides to go west. Um, but that's a conversation for another day. My expectation for the season is excitement and a little bit of shakeup. But unfortunately, uh, except for the East, where definitely somebody different will be representing the Eastern Conference in the finals, I think things will be pretty much the same out West. Uh, I think Golden State is still the class of the league. Boston is still on the come up, but I don't think they're there yet. I'll be interested to see if Kyrie can stay healthy and as the leader of this Boston team, lead them to claim the East like I think they should. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, I'll be interested. I think uh, the dynamic of uh, DeMar DeRozan and Kawhi Leonard trading teams uh, and everything almost exactly the same except for those two guys. I mean, I think it's just like a study. You can look at those two teams and be like, let's see who does what now that they're on the opposite team. So if uh, Toronto makes it to the finals, What's that say about DeMar DeRozan? What's that say about Kawhi? If DeMar goes out to San Antonio and they unseat Golden State, what does that say about DeRozan? Or, or as I call him, Z-Rosen. Z-Rosen. Uh, <laughs> Trash Rosen. That's what right. I call him. That's what you call him. Trash, Trash Rosen. Rosen. Okay, I know we got a couple friends that really ride heavy uh, with, with DeMar DeRozan, so hopefully they won't get too offended. 
when we say that, he, you know what I'm saying, he's trash. He has, an opportunity. he has an opportunity to show us that he's different, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, so he can get out there in the system. I think he's somebody, I think he's a player, and I'm all jokes aside, I really do think he's a player that can benefit from a real rigid system. Uh, because a freestyle kind of flowing offense and let him create and take us there, that wasn't his bag. So I think he'll be more in his bag with Pop whispering to him, go do this and this, and don't do that and that. Um, I think uh, Kevin Durant will will put a chokehold on the best player in the league discussion this year. Uh, even still playing with some great players, I still think he'll distinguish himself as the number one player in the league, hands down. Uh, I look for LeBron to take a couple steps back. I watched that. I know it was preseason, and people might think I'm looking too close. But I saw a fast break dunk from him uh, last week. Man, he was about a foot off the ground, bro. Choke he wasn't up high. He wasn't up high. Choke As he used to get. I'm starting to feel like he might be losing a little bounce. Age is undefeated. Father Time is undefeated, bro. It's been undefeated. And you can just, hey, he's prolonged the inevitable. You, you put it off. But it is inevitable. Absolutely. Father Time's coming, knocking. And so will it be this year where we see, uh, you know, a, mar a real marked uh, step back from LeBron and his game? Uh, personally, as somebody who's ready for other players to get their just due, I hope it's so clear to everybody so that people like Kevin Durant can finally get the, the love and the, and, the, and the game they want. What, what do you see? What are you most excited to see? I want to touch on your chokehold okay. first and okay. foremost. Okay. Okay. I want to touch on it. your chokehold. Touch on it. Um, because I'm trying to figure out what is it that Kevin Durant needs to do or must do to get the do. Why is he has back-to-back -back MVPs, mm -hmm. uh, final MVPs. He won it back-to-back. -back. And we're still talking about chokehold. It's like he's still having to prove what does it take for him to be the best in the league from, for those? I mean, he's beaten the best. Sometimes when we grew up, well, he beaten the so-called best. Mm -hmm. So when we grew up, when you when you win and beat the other person. Yeah, he don't get to say anything. Absolutely. You don't get to talk. But now in the That's at the Jay Ashburn, that's at Glenwood, Westgate, wherever you hoop at. That's at JFK. Remember JFK the double rim? Right. If you lose to somebody and he he drags on the court, you don't get to talk like you won. Not you lost. Absolutely. Yeah. So the chokehold was the thing I was thinking. Not that, that I'm agreeing with you. I mean, I do think he's the best player in the league. Uh, with you asking me coming this year, I also would like to see Westbrook do a little more winning. Mm -hmm. Do a little more with his teammates. Mm -hmm. You know, I, uh, me being, let's talk about this year, me being a diehard, lifelong Laker fan. Mm -hmm. And with this new... Oh, you like the Lakers? I've always been a oh, Laker. I didn't know that. I've always been a Laker. Oh, okay. You knew that. 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 Because I always state, you know what I'm saying, one of, the, one of the GOATs, and his name was Kobe Bryant. But we'll talk about one that in the GOATs. I, I noticed you were extra careful. Yeah, absolutely. Because, so the, because another one is Magic Johnson. Let's not talk about it. Okay, we're not. Because you just said Magic Johnson was the best ever player. Absolutely. Another Laker. So you had to say multiple GOATs. Another Laker. Another Laker. include everybody. I think there's one GOAT. Okay, well, we'll get to that in another one. Yeah, Michael Jordan. So I'm going to say that. You can say out now. there, you can say it out get there. To that I don't want us to lose no viewers with, with lies. Yeah. Okay, so back to what I was saying. Um, so the Lakers, I've always rapped. Last few years since this new landscape in the rapped. NBA, since this new um, thing in the NBA, mm -hmm. it's kind of, it's almost like we have to go with players. So last few years, yeah. you know, I was Westbrook and KD, Oklahoma. You know, me and you had a riff. We did. You know what I'm saying? We had a little. K 
KD and Westbrook made us come at odds. Yes. We made us come at odds. So sure one had to go. I was KD and you were Russell Westbrook. Just so you made us go. Out. We you made us go that way. Yeah. I was both of them, no, you but you was disrespecting no, you Westbrook. No, you were disrespectful. You was disrespectful. You was disrespectful. I was calling it what it was. No, okay, so you say it, you it, came to see as it of right my way now, later though. I de- no, I've always seen it your way. Oh, oh, did but you? I, but I didn't do the blame. I didn't do the blame. I wasn't going. We weren't going to throw Westbrook you out there. KD though. No, I never blame KD. Yes, you do. No, I never blame. Yes, they they need the help. Management, management messed them two up. I agree. Because they both played that. superhero basketball. Basketball. I superhero. Agree. If you I saw agree. what they done, nine and nine. One night they have one little bit of an off night, or defensive load up on both of them. I just think that the management sat back. They still haven't had a good coach. Is is management doing the coach wrong? Yeah, uh, what you mean doing the coach wrong? Selecting because wrong Billy college? Donovan came. Billy Donovan came was a great college coach. Then he came to the pros. He's not. Before. But I'm saying he doesn't have a track record in the NBA. I would have loved to have seen a coach. And you know my perspective is always uh, somebody that could get Russell Westbrook to play true point guard basketball. Well, okay, I'm with you with that. And I've seen right. that. I've seen that over the last couple of years. But you can even agree with this. Okay. Why won't the man, why won't management in Oklahoma, having them guys there, go out into free agency like these other teams with the so-called best players do every year for them? They didn't want to pay off the luxury tax. It was certainly their fault. They all they did was lose players. All they did was lose uh, James Harden over pennies. Right. All they did was lose Ibaka. All they did was lose Reggie Jackson. They never went they out and got a Kyle Korver. They never. Go get a shooter. When you get a shooter for Westbrook? Yes. He's never had a shooter. He has. Roberson. A moment of silence. Roberson. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what I'm as his shooter. So if if I'm the other as a coach, if I'm the other team, he had you're, Kevin and you're, Durant though, and you're going, and Kevin Durant had two or three MVPs with him, season MVPs. So that's not enough though. There's still the defense was loaded up against him. No and if you're guarding Roberson, you better not be guarding him when them two on the court. <laughs> and we leave Roberson and they they got the <laughs> You understand? So he they got the, so they got the blame, and just how it happened. KD left. A lot was coming at KD due to his. His skill set, yeah, you know, he got he the MVP. Threat, he was a threat to LeBron, and he was so cold. So he, in his mind, he would always been judged off of his management because he wasn't winning. Because management wasn't making movements. LeBron and management out east was making movements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So KD then trumped any movement that could ever be made by any GMs or LeBron by going to a team who had lost to LeBron and had showed a weakness, even when they had beat LeBron and the Cavs the year before. In my opinion. LeBron showed they had no answer for him. He went nuts. And I firmly believe had Love and uh, Kyrie been healthy the first year they played Golden State, they would have beat Golden State that year too. Absolutely. I really believe it without a doubt. Absolutely. So uh, they needed KD. People that say he went to a 73 and 19. Uh, listen, man, when people started sitting and resting and the regular season started not meaning anything, I don't care about that record. What did they do in the playoffs? They lost. They lost. They and LeBron a- had his absolute way. Had and then KD way. came, and what happened? LeBron has won one game in two years in the finals. And they said it's not fair. But I just, I truly believe that Golden State has a lot of specialists with a superstar. Absolutely. Sometimes when you have superstars, whereas KD, Westbrook, James Harden to be. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you have too many Chiefs, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. KD didn't see Chiefs over there no. at Golden State. He saw a perfect opportunity where he knows I don't have to. You don't have to sit nowhere and tell him you're the Chief. No, 
No. Curry, Only Clay. people that are insecure say I'm the king. Follow my lead. Follow me as I lead. Follow Absolutely. my lead when the cameras are around. Everybody you was on that plane. That. Everybody was on the plane to Hamptons knew they was going to get a chief. Yes. They needed a oh, chief. they all flew to the Hamptons? Hey, I forgot that. You forgot they that? They got a private jet? The owner private. didn't go, though. After winning 73 games to did fly. Did the owner go? The owner went, too. They did, just won 73. Did go? I've never seen nobody. Have you? Nobody that luxury to win seven three. The main guy that runs the team, the, the, you know, the engine that runs the team. He didn't go. He stayed back. Married men win. They took about a, two days out there, healthy summer schedule, to go meet with Ke- wow. Kevin Durant. Every single player went to go recruit Kevin Durant. Every single one of them players that they say are super yeah, special. That don't need it. They don't and need he it. They forgot they recruited him real heavy. They, that's that's hard to get on board with everybody that. To from go. the start, an engine that runs the team to tell you, please come. Right. Because we haven't had an answer. They had LeBron yelling at the little staff. Ever since he got there, it's been Cussing like. Cussing him out. Ever since, he, ever since KD arrived, you can, I can't lie. It's been like, um, it's been a dynasty. But what makes me mad, I'm going to run this by you before we go. Yeah. I know we was talking about the landscape. But there's one piece that this makes me upset. This the most important aspect. This makes me upset about all of that. KD and Golden State situation. Mm-hmm. What makes me upset is when they try to say super team. They haven't even three-peat yet. Michael Jordan has three-peat. Kobe has three-peat. Shaq has three-peat. Howard, why does this team get compared to those who's done it? Right. Can they three-peat? I agree with it. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And I think in order to make it more palatable or make it easier to digest LeBron losing, we got to make this the greatest team to ever be assembled. Look what they had to put together to beat LeBron. That's why they. That's why the media does that. It don't work. That doesn't, right? No, nah, especially not with James Harden. James Harden running up there and getting three with games. PJ Tucker is his. PJ who? What college did PJ Tucker go to? I don't know. I didn't know he went to college. You didn't either. He went to college. I didn't. I thought he. I thought he came from ten day contract. I thought he went to Juke. Right. He almost Listen. made a name against the super team. Come on, man. But anyways, to answer your question, I think this year and, and a lot of other reason him is some uh, some journeyman. Journey. Nothing but journeyman. How, how does Harden do that? Because his team, they play team ball. LeBron doesn't play team basketball. Okay. You know, it's okay. it's subtraction by addition. The more stars you give him, the more traits from the stars you see disappear. There you go. Well, I have the Lakers okay. making the playoffs this year. I do have the Lakers. Well, okay, would that be deemed a success as far as you're concerned? If they make the playoffs, that's a successful that's season? That's not a successful season. What's success for you for LeBron since we at brought this him time, up the Lakers? At this time in his career, to the finals. That's what they hang their hat on. He goes. So he got to so, get so, to the finals. Does he have enough? He has a, more than enough to get to the finals because it's about team. Okay. And he has some good. He has a, he has a good team. It's now it's whether or not they're gonna play together or not. You understand what I'm saying? Just mm-hmm. like Oklahoma. I believe Oklahoma has enough. To, I believe they Oklahoma, Houston, Lakers, Minnesota, all those guys have enough to make it. Now will they flow because of? Golden State's Warriors leader, he's so he's so much, um, how can you say, unselfish? Yeah. That's big. Him yeah. and Curry. Curry's very unselfish, too. Yeah, Curry's unselfish. Yeah, he welcomed KD and showed him real love. Absolutely. I, I think he's one of the most unselfish uh, stars in the league, especially with what they try to put on him. Absolutely. Whether or not his game warrants that, they try to make him, you know, the next face of the league because they know LeBron's fake now and they really wanted to be Steph. But it's just unfortunate. But I do believe, and I'll say this as we close this quarter, uh, I think that if LeBron goes to the finals, it it would be a successful season if he goes to the finals. I I would have to tip my cap to him, and I think he has enough. But I also will say I really do believe this is Kevin Durant's last year with Golden State. I think he's kind of 
with the uh, the pushback he took last time he left, I think he's trying to kind of soften the blow. So he's guys usually just I'm not talking about it. I haven't thought about it until the season's over. This year he's letting you know I don't know what I might do. I might. I'm just gonna be honest with you guys. And I'm like I think he's setting the stage for. I think he's out. If he three peats, if he three peats, if he three peats, I believe he the is. The question you ask is the reason why you ask. What does he have to do? And I think all of the people that feel like he joined the team that beat him and they just can't get past it, I think he'll have to. Because even if LeBron takes a step back in his game and age starts to take a toll on him a little bit and they see a little bit of wear in his game, they're ready to push Anthony Davis or Steph as the number one to face Oh, absolutely. The Greek, so disrespect. It. Come on, man. The Greek freak ain't even in Kevin Durant's zip code absolutely. as far as greatness. But anyway, I think he'll probably leave after this year. But anyway, we'll see what happens throughout the year. We'll talk picks and stuff and uh, predictions uh, another quarter. On the next time. one. Yeah. Let's go on to the fourth quarter. This is now the beginning of the fourth quarter. You know what, man? It's just really funny that you think Mr. Good, did you really think that uh, Paul Pierce is anywhere on Carmelo Anthony's level? I'm going to just give you a little piece. Okay. A few years back in the playoffs, I saw Carmelo do some things to Paul Pierce that you would never believe. But I don't even understand. And took and put Boston out. So I'm going to give you a second to give your point because this is not even a close situation. Okay, well, first and foremost, this is the fourth quarter, so it's closing time. You know what I'm saying? That's where the closers come out and finish the game strong. So I'm going to go ahead and put the W in my column uh, with this last flurry. I also had to say I co-signed your opinion that, you know, Paul Pierce is uh, nowhere near on Carmelo's level. Uh, he's another level or two ahead of him. For one, he's somebody that wears a ring, a uh, championship ring. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, finals MVP uh, trophy at home in his, uh, in his case. Um, has Carmelo ever been to the finals? No, nah, Carmelo never made it to the finals. Okay, he even when he did whatever it is, he, you said he did to, uh, to the truth. That, that's his nickname. No, 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 no. It should, be, it should be the lie. It <laughs> should be the lie. Let Why? me ask y'all both a question. I'm going to ask you first. Why do you feel like Melo is better, like, as a basketball player, skill-wise? Skill-wise, I believe... On the offensive end, first and foremost, I believe Melo has no weakness. You know, he has a, he can shoot from mid range. He has nice post game. He got some. He got a three point shot. Hey, I can interject. No, no, no. no. He he, he will ask you. I need you to he speak your past you. tense. He will ask say you. Say had. He will ask you. Should, you. I just need you to okay. say had. Well, wait, wait. Tell me that. Tell me that when you. Tell me that when. Tell me that when he asks you your question. Because <laughs> okay, okay. I'm not gonna cut you off. Okay, That's okay. normally what women do when they. You know what I'm saying? They when a man making a point. I'm just saying. I apologize. I'm not with women at office. Oh, okay. Me neither. Oh, that's a great thing. That, that must be good. I wouldn't know. That must be I good. Know what they did, that must bro. be good. You don't know? Nah, All right. Well, I'm glad know. you don't know. You know I done saying? seen yeah, something. Oh, I done, okay. done help. You out here? No, I done help. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Trying to help. Nah, be a social yeah. worker or something yeah. for a couple of y'all. Oh, 
anyway, but off of that point, let's get back to Melo. Because it's hard to get okay. bigger when you treat. Are you treating good? That's a whole other thing. This is a basketball. Okay. I remember when you asked the whole because you had to take somebody out. But nah, you got some other cats wrong. But you done took it all the way. You done took it all the way away from the actual. You done took it all. You done took it all the way off the thing. You know what I'm saying? I can't argue with a man that's been married since he was 19. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Okay, well, I'm done. Back to the mellow. All right, well, there it is then. Back to like I was saying. So, mellow, to me and to you, you ain't going to keep it real, to answer your question, he's more skilled, much more of a dog. See what I'm saying? It might have been his mentality that he never won, but to me, I just think he's better. And that defensively, I think he's a better player too. I think he he get a lot of bad – no, no, I'm not even going to knock. Paul Pierce could play some pretty good D if he – they're both lazy. To me, they never kept themselves in shape. What about IQ? IQ? Ooh, that's a great question. That's a great question. Come on. And for me to win this, and for me to win this, you must stay on. You you must stay honest. I must stay honest. For me to win this, I don't need you from the background, bro. Chill. I I don't need you from the background. I believe. I I think Paul Pierce to be consistent on his showing in the fourth quarter. This whole podcast, I'm going to always be consistent. I believe Paul Pierce has a little bit better IQ than Carmelo. Okay. So why do you feel like? Okay. So I'm going to go to I'm gonna go to actual measurables. Um, I, I don't like the intangibles. You know, uh, Tony Rice, uh, young Danny Corbett, the one asking the question here. Um, you, you know Mr. Rice very well. You know that he has a way of when he doesn't have any statistical advantage or anything to point to, he likes to go to things like the eye test or the real dog. Or intangibles. Uh, no, let's. Do, how many times has he been to the finals? Carmelo has not been ever. Paul Pierce has been twice, which is big, I guess. Yes, it's big right it's now. Big. Absolutely, we're gonna use it for big right Carmelo now. Carmelo has never just, been. How many years has he been in the league? When we do these shows, Tony, I don't need you to interrupt. They're taped. You asked me a question. You brought my name all over. Bruh, you you run around here like the city. You run around here like the city using me. Don't I'm use my name. You, Answer your question. I am. I'm right, go ahead. Nah, bro. don't use. Don't put. Don't don't, 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 don't go tell the woman about me. You're talking about you, bro. You said that's what females do. Just be. You like the real shit. There it is. Okay, so what is it you're talking about, bro? I'm telling you the measurables. So you. So you have him better because he went to the finals. And then also what he did in the finals, Kobe. Brian, one of the best players that ever played, definitely a top 10 uh, player on anybody. Now you're trying to pull this in. No, Leave what, that alone, bro. Don't disrespectful. What are you talking if about? If I said Michael Jordan was top I 10, said, just to let everybody know, he, he resides with Michael Jordan. Right, but you feel disrespectful if I said 10. You Top 10 is correct. All right, cool. Top so he's 10, top 10. He's Michael Jordan and Kobe top 10. 10. Where you got Kobe at? Now. Talk Carmelo He's one Pierce. of your goats, right? Go ahead. Yeah, Tony I, I, Rice has a multiple goat no, theory. Oh, my God. We'll Tony Rice and again. Did you We're talking about right, next show. Thank you. Go ahead. Yeah, but anyway, uh, the way seriously, the way he cooked Kobe uh, in the finals, both finals. Honestly, Kobe didn't play well in either of the finals he won, uh, played against uh, the Celtics. Uh, Artest was the one that carried him through when they did win, and I believe they got some referee help. Uh, really bad. Mr. Danny. Kobe. Mr. I, Danny. Can I ask you a question? Rice, you asked him about Paul Pierce, and he's talking about Kobe. Can you? Bro, I'm can you? About, bro, can we object? I'm saying why he didn't win. Oh, too, okay. Why go he ahead. Didn't win too. And then also, he showed that he could carry a team by himself because he uh, he carried a team by himself for a while. But then when he finally got the requisite help, uh, he took it to the next level. Man, he got uh, an aged Kevin Garnett, a little bit aged Ray Allen, 
and he was a little aged himself, so they were able to compromise their games and, and bring something better to the table. I think he was number one a better, and finally I want to say this, because this to me, it may not be as important to some people, but it is to me. He was a clutch guy when it came to closing time. He was a closer. His IQ uh, was unquestioned. I think he was definitely a, a good defender, especially during his championship run. Um, so I just think that it really isn't even close. Carmelo, to me, uh, was an offensive player. I agree with what you said, that he had very few weaknesses. He could, he could go by you at one point. Um, he could beat you in the post, mid-range, three-point game. If you fouled him, he could go to the line at his free throws. Complete player on offense, but his IQ and his defense holds him back from being that next level. And he never got any, really any meaningful games to have clutch moments that we remember. I don't care if you're the game winner in the regular season. I'm going to know what you do on a big stage with the game on the line. We saw that out of the truth. We never saw it out of Melo because he never gave himself or his team the opportunity. So I had to say that it's Paul Pierce, the truth, in a landslide. Okay, so let me end off here. Um, there's times in this show that you'll we'll agree most times we're going to be at each other's neck. Mm -hmm. So if you're sitting back and you giving out your side and just listening to you and everything, um, so that we always stay consistent, winning does mean a lot. Winning means a lot. So um, we'll, we'll, today we'll give you the W on Paul Pierce. I still think, you know, Carmelo has some things in his tank, but as you all, as we always say, it doesn't matter if you have what you have in your tank if you don't win. So we'll give the uh, we'll give the edge to Paul Pierce this time. With that being said, clear out. Play call one dummy. <laughs>